Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Ben and you're listening to the Sound Logic Podcast. This is Mike. Each episode we discuss one of music's greatest albums from Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 list. Brought to you by two guys with no credentials. Hey everyone, thanks for finding the Sound Logic podcast once again. And today we're discussing album number 32 on Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 Greatest Albums of All Time list. And this is Let It Bleed by The Rolling Stones. I should start by saying. Um, when I talk about this project with people, quite often, at least several times, the person has said back to me, I didn't know the Rolling Stones had 500 albums. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I have to like backtrack and say, whoa, 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 no. Rolling Stone, the magazine, has a list of the 500 greatest albums. And that's what we're going through. <laughs> um, so the fact that the Rolling Stones are on this list makes it even no, more confusing. I think the first few times, you know, maybe the first five or ten, I did say Rolling Stones list. And that's why I try and say Rolling Stone magazine. <laughs> Not yeah, just to differentiate. Right. Uh, that is very <laughs> yeah. funny, though. It, it but here feels, we are with the Stones. <laughs> it feels like 500 albums sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on the artist, indeed. Yeah. Well, they, they I mean, they have released a lot of albums um, they have uh, so here we are Rolling Stones again uh, we talked about Exile on Main Street it was number 7 so here we are number 32 um, not as many in this top uh, you know 30 as the Beatles or Bob Dylan right uh, but but as we'll discuss later certainly well represented on this 500 list so had you I think I know the answer. You're not a big Stones fan. Had you listened to this album before? No, this one was new to me. Um, we talked often about preconceived notions in this uh, sort of introduction section. And I think uh, when I think of the Rolling Stones, I often think about the song Satisfaction. Mm. And so I think I just have this generic Stones sound in my head that's based on that one track. That's what I anticipate whenever I press play the yeah. first time. So let it bleed. I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be something in that wheelhouse. Um, I don't know why. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know why that song in particular stands out of all the singles that have been um, on the radio through my life. But that's where we are. And that's sort of where I start each of these with. I, I, I don't think I've ever listened to, aside from Exile on Main Street, which we've already tackled, I've never listened to any other Stones albums from beginning to end. So each one is going to be a brand new journey for me. What about you? Well, I'm, I'm in the same boat. And I guess my, like we talked about before, my experience with the Stones is just whatever has been on the radio. And yep. not only, uh, I've never really been compelled to buy a whole album or download a whole album. And it isn't because I don't 
like them. I can say mm-hmm. I don't love them, but yeah. I always felt that because they played the song so much on the radio, you know, we mostly listen to rock radio at work and growing up, classic rock, they played those songs so much. I didn't feel I really needed any more stones in my life. I already had plenty. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yep. I, so again, this is, I have never listened to any Stones albums. This was new. I knew a few of the songs. Yeah. I knew, somehow I knew that Gimme Shelter was on this album. Um, and that is one of my favorite Stones songs. Um, okay. And I I find it has a, well, I don't want to get into it too much now, but I find that song and some other songs in this album are very, sound very different than that, as you say, that generic stone sound. I think when you say satisfaction is kind of the generic stone sound, I think you're bang on. I think that is a very stonesy sounding song and sounds like some of the other ones that are very popular start me up and even the the same sort of feel as uh, can always get what you want kind of thing, which is on this album. But no, uh, a new listening experience for me. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. We, it is important to say um, that the Rolling Stones are near the top of the artists with the most albums. Dylan has 11 and then uh, tied for second place is the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. So um, they both, right. both of those bands have 10 and uh, this is our second time through with eight more still to go uh, as we journey through these 500. Who knows? Maybe yeah. in uh, a couple of years when they create a new list, they'll add a couple more. I don't know. We'll see. They might. <laughs> they might. We'll see. Well, should we just get right into some details there, bud? I think we need some details. Yes. Details, 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 details. So this this album was yet another album released in 1969, December 5th. Wow. It was their eighth British and tenth American studio release. So they had done more in America. And I think that kind of makes sense, especially when you hear the American country and blues influence on this album. Yeah. Do you know, is that based on sort of reshuffling and and repackaging songs for the American audience? It, it's got to be. The same thing happened with the same thing happened with the Beatles. You yeah. know, they released it in the UK and then it, you know, uh, an American record company gets their hand, you know, kind of reshuffles and does it again. The Beatles, uh, if you try, you know, there was a, was it Meet the Beatles? That wasn't yeah. an official album, but it was like an American release. You know, I, yep. I think it's same sort of thing. It's just, yeah, it's just packaging. And uh, I think there's probably a lot of people, maybe some people listening who could explain it a lot better. But yeah, uh, same thing with, um, we talked about Are You Experience? Um, yeah. Where it was the same album, but there was, you know, a lot of different tracks. So they took right, B-sides right. instead of singles from Europe and put that on. So yeah, I think, I think that's what it is. I don't know why there's two more. Yeah. Studio albums, but all of these songs were written by uh, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, except for love in vain, which is written by Robert Johnson. So again, that our friends. Yeah. (laughs) Blues influence. I don't know. I don't know if, if he would say the same if we're alive today, because we, (laughs) on our reshuffle, we weren't very kind to him. True. (laughs) But I think it's great that that now you feel that every individual we've reviewed is now our friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's very nice. Um, it charted number one in the UK, number three in the US, and number four in Canada. I love it when they have a Canadian yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. number there. 
that uh, number one in the UK, number three in the US makes sense because of their country of origin. But because of the themes on this album, a number of uh, reviews have talked about the sort of Americana influence, especially in the lyrics. Um, It surprises me a little bit that it only made it to number three in the US and and did better in the UK. I mean, number three is no slouch, but um, I was a bit surprised to see that ranking there. I agree with you. The Stones to me are just, they're so British. Like (laughs) when I think of them, you know, I just think of, yeah, I think of London and I think of the, you know, the fashion scene in the sixties and they're so British to me. Yep. Um, but you're right. This they, this album to me sounds American, like so much direct influence, and mm-hmm. it's so blatant too. You know, it's just yeah, yeah. It's not really a subtle. It's just it's it's almost parody in some ways, but I don't want to get there yep. just yet. Um, uh, Rolling Stone in the 2003 list also had it at 32 and on the coffee table books at 32, which is more consistent. We've talked about some other albums so that they, uh, it's not as consistent. So this is like, everybody agrees. This is number 32. (laughs) Yeah. We don't get a whole lot of disparity in the top 40 albums. Um, but, but I thought since we've started tracking some of that, that it'd be worth pointing out here, uh, from time to time. And, and a new, resource that we've that i haven't got my hands on yet but we've started talking about number 40 in colin larkin's all-time top 1000 albums yeah have you had a chance to flip through that yet or, or find it no it came up when did it come up last was it in uh joni mitchell episode I think we were talking uh, about blue it, it came up yeah. because um uh he ranked it higher in that list and we talked about also her being ranked as NPR's number one album by a woman um, in music. So we, we talked about a couple of different things and I, uh, it wasn't until researching for blue that I came across that book, Mm. Colin Larkin's top 1000. And, and I'm very interested to research it more to see if, again, if it goes outside of kind of the rock blues, et cetera, genre. Yeah. Things like, pop and country and world yeah. music. It jumped out at me when I was flipping through the Wikipedia article. I think just because of that sort of that dynamic of, you know, you never see any, uh, Ford Tauruses on the road until you buy one. And then every, all of a sudden all the cars are, you know, <laughs> every, everyone's driving one. And, uh, I think that same dynamic applies here. There's a lot of history with this album, you know, and, and a lot of interpersonal, uh, drama going on. You want to talk a bit about that, Ben? Uh, yeah, I, it was sort of interesting to learn that, um, their founding member, uh, Brian Jones had become like so caught up in his substance abuse problems that, uh, he, he was not really a part of this record. Um, he, was unreliable in the studio. He was often intoxicated when he'd show up. They couldn't get him to sort of clean up his act too much. And, um, and he ended up being asked to leave the band. Um, he does appear wow. on the album in a couple songs, but, but even more tragic is that uh, within a month of leaving the band, he ends up dying. Um, I, I think because of a, an overdose. And yeah. uh, so huh. it's just this like, uh, pivotal member of the band that they kind of 
sadly part part ways with and then he he completely um disappears and uh i imagine that you know they've continued their career uh, you know well beyond this album but to have that sort of lingering in the background has to be just a kind of chilling dynamic uh for the band i remember hearing you know when when learning about the stones years ago that that brian jones had passed and of course i didn't follow up obviously wasn't born yeah. <laughs> in the, in the sixties or in the seventies for that matter. But, uh, learning that, you know, you know, in the nineties, Ben, we thought stones was, you know, uh, Mick and Keith, Charlie and Ronnie. Yep. Um, but Ronnie didn't join till much later. So it was, it was Brian Jones and Bill Wyman, who I think were the, with the other three at the beginning, um, that he had passed, but I hadn't realized that it was, even before, you know, six months before this album was released. Yeah. Wow. Geez. So that, you you got to You got to wonder that. Um, that would definitely have an impact on the band. Probably bittersweet as this album is released and is successful. Yeah, you would think so. And I had to look up because so many of these bands are doing multiple albums a year. So they did Beggar's Banquet in '68. So that would have been Brian Jones's last one, and then. Yeah, you can see he did contribute. He is credited uh, on a couple tracks. No, that's very sad. Yeah. And that's something we haven't talked about a whole lot. We, you know, a lot of the albums we talked about in the 60s and 70s, you know, they're uh, stories, very uh, publicized stories of band members with substance abuse and different problems. Mm -hmm. But that is a consistent issue we hear about is that with the fame comes money, which comes access to anything you can get your hands on. Right sometimes is uh you know held up as the reason the music sounds so good and True. Uh, other yeah. other times uh ends up being the tragic demise too i mean yeah. we've already talked about hendrix uh, a little bit and didn't talk too much about that dynamic but no other person that um yeah okay well i think that's that's important to note and um shows i think a uh not a turning point in terms of success, but in terms of the direction of the band, I think you see a different direction into, you know, from Beggar's Banquet and uh, Let It Bleed into Sticky Fingers and Excellent Main Street, you know, so a different turning point, different era for the band. Yeah. Um, so a couple songs. Gimme Shelter and You Can't Always Get What You Want, both ranked highly on the Rolling Stones 2004 list, 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. Uh, so that's interesting. And I think we've talked about some albums too that have like that we, the two of us, didn't necessarily love but have maybe one or two really iconic songs. Yeah. And this is certainly one of those albums for iconic songs. I mean, You Can't Always Get What You Want has got to be at least top three, if not higher, of the Stones' most recognizable and most popular songs. Right? Yeah, you Like, satisfaction, so. you can't always get you what you want, and I don't know. Yeah. What else? Like, hey, hey you get off my cloud or start me up or... The Rolling Stones had the second best song of all time, apparently, which is Satisfaction. Maybe that's why. <laughs> huh. That's why I think of it. That might be one that's above these, but... What's the greatest yeah. song? Like a Rolling Stone? Yes. Oh, jeez. 
criminally. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> uh, okay. This album was the last Rolling Stones album to be released in mono as well as stereo. So we talked uh, at some point in the last few weeks, we've talked about that there was a period in time where albums were released in both mono and stereo version. And you had yeah. to actually, um, <laughs> you go to the record store and you could pick which one you wanted. I imagine like how many right. times did that get mixed up? But um, this was the the last time that they released it in both stereo and mono. I think from that point, you know, all albums are in stereo now, but um, this was the last one. So as we've mentioned before, for you record Hunters, uh, LP hunters, if you do find one in mono, I think it's kind of a rare one, but I don't know where you find those. But anyways, yeah, last yeah. last Stones album to be released in mono as well as stereo. How do you like this album cover? It's something. Isn't it neat? Uh, like it's, 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 really it's neat. like, it's, it's almost silly. I think part of it is supposed to be silly. Yeah. Um, it's very cartoony especially compared to the sound of the rolling stones like it's it's almost uh it's it's playful it's kind of fun it's not mm-hmm. um perverse or political in any way or kind of in your face it yeah. I, unless there's a really really hidden meaning that you know this is very cryptic <laughs> sure <laughs> that you know all the different layers but but this is this is one that like I saw it. I, it wasn't familiar to me, but I saw it and I was like, oh, that's interesting. So let me break it down for you. It's, I mean, the, it says Rolling Stones and Let It Bleed at the top, but you don't even see that because it's this record. And, and I want to point out that there's a record with an old, like, phonograph arm. Yeah. Yep. Not like a, a, you know, a more modern or even 60s or 70s style needle. Uh, although it doesn't seem to be on a record player. It just seems to be on, <laughs> you know, a white surface. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, so you got, you got the, you got the record there and it's act the actual record, or at least a, a mock-up of the record, the LP with yep. the arm coming in from the right and the spindle. And then above it where, you know, you were, there were different, players that you could stack a bunch of albums up and then they would release them down. But this has a bunch of other items. Yeah. So from the bottom, there's a space and then there's a, there's a, like a platter and then a film canister or tape canister that has, that has a piece of red tape on it and written in markers says stones, let it bleed. So the, right. you know, the tapes there, which is kind of cool. There's a clock face and then on that you can see a little bit. There's a there's a pizza. You can just see the the the, edge, the crust. crust kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then there's a, a tire, like a bike tire, or almost a, a smaller, like a scooter tire. Yeah. And then on top is a is a cake, and it's this very elaborate, very '60s style. Yeah, Marchino <laughs> cherries. It it reminds me of things. like. Yeah. Uh, the old ladies in the eighties and nineties at church bringing their food to potluck, like jellied salads. Yep. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> like really this is exactly what that is. Same colors. Yeah. Even yeah. The colors, right. These kind of yep. the greens and reds Candy and then fruit. the pastel. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So it's this decorated uh, cake and on top of it are plastic figures of the band members. Um, again, very cartoony. So it's like, yeah, just, kind of mariachi a, uh, style. They look almost like, um, Something you'd find in a Mexican trinket. Uh, sure. 
souvenir stand. Absolutely. And to me, I don't know what it means. I don't know if it's supposed to mean anything. It's just kind of fun. But when I read the title, Let It Bleed, which is a little, you know, visceral and graphic yeah. in itself, like it, they, they, they just don't correlate at all. Yep. And even I don't know what this has to do with the music. It's almost one of those things where someone had like a, oh, I've got a cool idea. And it is a cool <laughs> idea, but it has nothing to do with <laughs> the album that I could tell. You know, even XL on Main Street um, with the kind of collage of pictures that, the idea was that, you know, they were kind of nomadic, this traveling band, and the pictures were of traveling circuses and carnivals. Okay, like, I, I get that, right? <laughs> you know, that makes sense. And there's there's a concept there. And Sticky Fingers, there's a, there's a, some, there's jeans, and I don't know, just, I don't get it. I like it, but I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. The, apparently, the working title of the album was Automatic Changer, sort of um oh that makes sense yeah with the sort of idea of like changing out records like a jukebox or something like that so all these all these funky other things would be part of that automatic changer that that would have worked so much better if they'd stuck with that title um (laughs) it'd be interesting to know like when they switched to let it bleed why they didn't go back and make a change to the image but um yeah i don't know it's uh it's really interesting. It's got the sort of patina of a '70s magazine ad. Uh, you know, often there'd be sort of just like a kind of pale tan yeah. background, and the item just sitting there right in the middle. Yeah, uh, you know, maybe some Absolutely. font above it explaining it. Um, Kodak film or Kodak cameras, and there'd be just a camera. Uh, it's sort of up close and high detail and uh that's what this sort of reminds me of like it like it has been snipped out of a of a magazine somewhere yep i absolutely um and it's really got that kind of 60s or even 50s feel with some of the color palette uh yeah cool cool album cover it um, is. It's it's quirky for a couple of other reasons too. Um the cake was put together by uh an uh at the time, an unknown cook who went on to become kind of a semi-famous television chef. Um, so there's a, an, oh, another wow. <laughs> layer of, of that. And uh, it's also been apparently uh, used on as a British postage stamp um, design. Okay. Yeah, cool. Uh, so it's pretty iconic. And uh, the other kind of fun thing is that the backside apparently is – everything kind of falling apart. So this uh, weird oh. stack of things is uh, just kind of a mess on the back. Um, the record is shattered. The pizza's slices are out. There's like a wedge out of the cake. It, you know, it looks like the end of the party or something like that. There's a, there's a nail in the bike tire too. <laughs> it's like intentionally been destroyed. Oh, the, the film canister, there's film pouring out of it as well. That's cool. Yeah, there's P- yeah, the phonograph is oh wow. The band members are all smushed all up. Fallen over <laughs> one's face down in the icing, one's just been <laughs> smushed into the cake. Yeah, it's great. Huh. I like that. That's cool. That's cool. The the backside is chaotic and um the track listing is chaotic. It doesn't actually follow the order of the tracks that are on this album. All nine tracks are listed on the back of the album, 
but they're not in the order that they appear on the album. Oh. Uh, <laughs> which is a fun <laughs> kind of weird choice. <laughs> it's, there's a square almost like you could write in your own numbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, oh, that I have never seen that. It's really weird. I don't huh. know if they like got, you know, if it was similar to the name change, like it was sort of a last minute reshuffling and they never went back and changed it on the artwork or. Right. Yeah. Uh, I hear you. Who knows? Well, we almost get the sense that the design was done long before the album was finalized, right? With the name change and. Right. You know, so maybe, yeah, maybe. Oh, interesting. And I guess outside of the digital age, you know, it's harder to change things. <laughs> yeah. You know, wow. It's so interesting when you kind of take a little closer look at something, it's, yeah. you know, it's got a story behind it. Yeah. Okay. Track listing. Yeah. Okay. So nine tracks again, <laughs> we talked about this kind of sweet spot, nine, 10 tracks kind yeah. of thing. Side one is give me shelter. Love in Vain. Country Honk. Live With Me. Let It Bleed. Side two is Midnight Rambler. You got the silver. Monkey Man. You can't always get what you want. I was very excited to listen to this album because, number one, I knew Gimme Shelter and I really like that. I think it's a great opening to an album. And mm. I love how it sounds different than just your standard uh, straight up and down 4-4 four, four major keystone song. You know, it's... Yeah. Gimme Shelter makes me wonder why... Can't they be more like that ah. <laughs> in other times? Like, cause there are still, I, I don't want to lay too much of my hand on the table, but maybe I should. I like this album way more than Exile on Main Street. Um, but one of my critiques of Exile on Main Street is that pretty much it's, you know, a double album of four, four timing, three chord, rocked up blues songs. And Gimme Shelter's not quite that. It's a little darker and funkier. And yeah. I want more of that. Like, I, I really like that song. And, and so it gives me the sense that they're capable of it. And then they just kind of fill in the blanks with reverting back to just kind of standard. I guess the, the challenge for me is to continually remind myself that this was innovative and edgy. Um, sure. Yeah, it was. really, really hard to get back to that place in my head because it just doesn't feel that way so much. But you're right. Gimme Shelter is such a great kickoff track. Yes. There's something else that um, I've always enjoyed about this song. It's something very special, and that's the vocal, the, the female 
accompanying vocal or they say a co-lead vocal um, mm-hmm. and I've always really liked just the way she sings and the way her voice blends with Mick Jagger's voice the vocalist here is Mary Clayton and she was in a movie sort of a documentary called 20 Feet from Stardom did you see this? no 2013 it came out and it documents uh, backup singers in oh uh, backup singer I think mostly in rock but backup singers and kind of what it's like to be a backup singer cool and that kind of you know is it what you enjoy doing because I think somebody might even be Mary who says you know I love what I do it wasn't ever about being the star I help them do what they do and I really enjoy that but the, with the the kind of struggle there with you know those who are trying to make it and and you know the the view that the idea that you are only a backup singer you never really made it um and then yeah. the contradicting view that no this is what i want to do like i enjoy doing this so um, um, i had heard of that movie and i never saw it and i really want to see it i remember when it came out i thought oh that sounds really neat i'd be into that um so she she's one of the feature vocalists and so she sang on many many albums I think this is probably one of her more notable ones, or certainly she has a kind of the spotlight here. And I think her yeah. vocal is something that really makes this song special. Um, I like a lot of things about it, but I love her vocal in it. Almost reminds me of Janis Joplin. I think for many years I thought it was Janis Joplin, just the way she kind of wails on it. But it's really great. So Gimme Shelter, definitely one of my favorite Stone songs. And yeah. Um, I, I got I was excited about this album because of it, but it really got me jacked for the whole thing. Although the yeah. whole album isn't like this. <laughs> Does it remind you a little bit of uh, CCR's "It Ain't Me"? There's like a, a kind of minor key, and the bass is like dun, 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 just kind of like a. Yeah, um, I can I can hear some of that. It almost makes me wonder if it's uh, if it's in Forrest Gump or something like that in one of the Vietnam. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it is. <laughs> I can hear that kind of that um, eighth note, staccato eighth note kind of driving rhythm in those CCR songs. So I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, it, it sort of fits with, uh, I think, um, the sort of chaotic rock and roll inspired of, of Vietnam. Sure. I, I think that's not, that song in particular. Sure. For whatever reason. Um, yeah, um, I'm just going to kind of jump around here and talk about a few few kind of sure. things I like on the tracks. Um, I and maybe you can jump in on this one. I had never so the third track is called "Country Honk," and I didn't recognize yeah. that title. But when I heard the song, I went, "Oh, this is Honky Tonk Women." Like, right? I know this song, but a very different version of it. That that's the one they play on the yeah. radio. So. That's another thing I meant to research and didn't. <laughs> but um, <laughs> why is it that we we always heard that version and not this version? Well, the answer to that, Mike, is that Honky Tonk Woman is better. <laughs> but isn't it... Honky Tonk Woman. Isn't um, it the same song? I had the same question. Yes. <laughs> but this sounds like uh, a demo. This sounds like they're in the studio, like trying to work out the kinks on Country Honk. No, this is the Stones. This is the Stones, not the kinks. Yeah. <laughs> work out with the kinks? Maybe they were yes, working out. Yes, they were buddies. working out with uh, the kinks. 
<laughs> working out with the Kings. Honky Tonk Woman came out uh, within the next year as a solo single, not attached to any album. So it, it's almost like they went back into the studio and were like, we didn't get that one quite right. Let's let's do it better. I, I thought, um, my first thought was, oh, Country Honk. Oh, maybe... Maybe I've just always heard live versions of it. That's why it doesn't sound right. And no, it's it, they actually totally reworked it in the studio and released it as a single. Um, I, yeah, it, this song just, I don't know. It, it's strange to listen to it in this form. Okay. Wikipedia says it was a single only release. Yep. Available July 4th, uh, 1969. And then the country version called Country Honk was later included on Let It Bleed, which came out later that year. Oh, oh it pre-included yeah, the uh, album. Which is very interesting. Yikes, that's even yeah, worse. Like, how would you go from that to this? I mean, this is, this is fun, but it's very, like, it's not... I think if anything, huh. if anything Ben, this really just uh, demonstrates that at this time how influenced they were by country music by American country music that there was sure. probably, you know, I don't know anything in your life, but playing music or whatever, when you and a bunch of other people just kind of get hooked on something, it's just kind of everything. Yep. You just want to do everything like that. So I kind of wonder yep. if that's what happened here. Yeah. I, this is a more, you know, country acoustic version. I, I like it. It's fun, but the other one feels more stones to me. <laughs> and of yeah. course is more familiar yeah. and that always skews it Bon Jovi did uh, a covers album of their own songs called This Left Feels Right oh yeah uh, that right. was that was all sort of acoustic covers right and um, none of them were as good as the <laughs> <laughs> original recording yeah. and, and this that's what this kind of reminds me of now knowing that it's sort of on the other side of the uh, Honky Tonk Woman coming out it, yeah, it almost just felt like, hey, what if we did this sort of a little bit more country? Yeah, great idea. Let's put it on sure, the next album. Yep. Um, and not really considering whether it's actually better. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe better is not always the standard. Maybe this is just showing their diversity, capacity to, to do things differently. But uh, it's a head scratcher for me. Yeah. Um, I I heard you. I think I heard you giggle a little bit when I was listening to the tracks and said "Monkey Man." <laughs> yeah, I had totally forgotten about this song. I even seeing it, seeing the name of it, I didn't think I knew it. And then when it came on, I must probably have been a decade since I heard it. They used to play it all the time on the radio, and I guess they don't play oh. it anymore. But like, I was listening through it for the first time you know in this project and like i really i knew i knew it very well it's like man i forgot about this actually it's another one i huh. really like it's got that kind of uh, minor key uh, very again very 60s sounding you know with the with the piano kind of a bit of reverb on the piano and the, i yeah. really like the guitar sound in this song it's really cool sound yep um, it sounds a little different. It sounds different. And I mean, guitar as much as the Stones to me are kind of, they're like a grown-up band, right? It's like, it's rock and roll and it's, it's especially back in the day was edgy, but sometimes like a little silly. Like you yeah. look at the album cover, you know, with the cake and the pizza and then <laughs> they got a song called, uh, you know, the monkey, I'm a monkey. You know, it's like, it's, it's a little silly too, right? Um, 
Yeah. Unless there's something political behind the lyrics, but I haven't dug into it that much. But yeah, Monkey Man. <laughs> That's not a song I'm familiar no? with. I, I, uh, well, I don't know. Every Rolling Stones song has a vague familiarity to it that I can't quite <laughs> decide if I'd heard it before. Sure. Um, but, but no, it wasn't one that stood out to me. Um, I, I was struck with the cover of Robert Johnson's Love in Vain. Hmm. How um, uh, how much mixed voice really works when it's a bit more up tempo and and singing along with kind of a chugging rock song. When they slow it down in Love in Vain, it it almost like he's trying to sing uh, a song without any backing, and it shows off just like what in my mind at least is how much of a mediocre singer he is. Um, when it's a little bit more slow and contemplative. Uh, and it made me think a little bit about the, the Dylan album that we just went sure. through where I was having a hard, a hard time getting over Dylan's voice at times. And, and it made me realize, Oh, I've got kind of like stylistically, there are times when I really like Mick Jagger's voice. And, and sometimes where I'm just like, Oh, this guy is awful. <laughs> and, uh, and love in vain is the, <laughs> the track for me on this album, at least that I'm like, Yikes. Uh, not <laughs> Yikes. For, not for me. <laughs> um, uh, we but, certainly, yeah. I don't think that anyone would say that Mick Jagger has a beautiful voice. No, I'm not he's saying a that he has a bad voice. He can hit, right. he can hit notes, but it's not, you know, it's not uh, melodic or operatic. Yeah, it is like Dylan in the sense that Dylan, you know, we, uh, subterranean homesick blues. I mean, you know it's the the rhythm the the rhythm is good and the feel is good it's not that it's necessarily melodic i think uh you know even i can't always get you on it's it's more the rhythm there so yeah that's an interesting point i i think you're right and yeah just kind of isolating his vocal there is kind of like Yeah. Um, the final track, you can't always get what you want. Maybe the song that I was, I was the most familiar with. Um, I, I don't know why it gets a lot of, or it got a lot of airplay at least on uh, classic rock radio in the years that I've listened pretty heavily. Um, it's a bit different than the rest of the album. Although this album does have a bit more diversity, I think, in terms of its yeah. sound than than Exile did. Uh, you know, starting with the choral intro. Um, I can't decide if that's cheesy or really well done. <laughs> and it may just be because I've heard it so many times. Uh, I don't know. I think it's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, a children's choir is such a dichotomy compared to a rock and roll band, right? So like this yeah, kind rough and tumble absolutely yeah. right to have that and it's the Bach the Bach the London Bach choir, right? <laughs> like it's yep. you know, it's very, very different, two very opposing kind of feels there. I love that contradiction. Um yep. that paradigm. I think it's actually a really smart move because it's it's very different. I mean I think if you're a Stones fan or just a fan of culture and music at the time, I think you really would dig it uh, because it's it's just different and it it fits well. I mean, it, it's kind of a it's kind of a, another one of those sort of masterpiece 
recordings. It's like yeah, it's a very recognizable song, very popular song. It's been used in commercials and movies and all sorts of stuff for years and years and years. And I think it's great. It's got um, perhaps one of the most memorable uh, lines in rock music, too. The uh, you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you might just find you get what you need, which I think is just like a a line in my head that I will say if someone says, well, you can't always get what you want. Um, you know, I'll <laughs> fill in the rest of it. Uh, uh, Maybe my sarcastic dad voice, but, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's become, it's sort of permeated pop culture. We've talked about that a few times that, you know, it's just a, it's a line now that is cliche. Um, yeah. Because of its spread. It's a bit of a clunker time wise at, seven and a half minutes does sure. the whole thing get played on the radio I, I i don't know if there's a radio edit or if we get all seven and a half minutes. no i think it's i think oh, it's that. cut i think there's a kind of middle section that they they cut out there or maybe they faded earlier okay. yeah there is a there's a i'm sure there's a radio edit <laughs> yeah um yeah i don't know that i have anything more to say about about these songs necessarily I will make some general comments then. Sure. I enjoyed this album overall. There are some songs I really mm-hmm. like. Uh, like some albums that aren't stellar, it seems to drag a bit in the middle. Um, I'm glad they threw Midnight Rambler in there to kind of break up some of the other ones that make me kind of want to fall asleep. Uh, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> I do like it in general. Yeah. Um, and the thing I was thinking of was was the next year, 1970, the Beatles came out with Let It Be. Was that oh. an answer? Was that a call and answer to this? Or was it just a hmm. coincidence? And then again, interesting, Let It Be was recorded in 68. It was recorded before Abbey Road, which came out in 69. Six, uh, Abbey Road was the last album that they recorded, even though Let It Be was yeah. released later. So, uh, was Let It Be an answer to Let It Bleed, or was Let It Bleed an answer to Let It Be that had already been recorded? <laughs> I don't know. Or is it just have nothing to do? I, I read something that this is sort of the pinnacle of their career, or part of a part of a four album stretch that they were sort of at the top of their career. Um, I was curious where this fits in in connection to Exile. Sure, uh, it's a couple albums before, right as they sort of start that that stretch of of four albums. Um, Beggars Banquet in '68, Sticky Fingers in '71, Exile on Main Street in '72 right. are the other three that are often considered the greatest run of uh, four albums uh, in their career, and some would say in, in the history of rock and Ooh, roll. Geez. Um, <laughs> I think all four of those are on this list, right? Beggar's Banquet and Sticky oh, yeah. Fingers both are also yeah, they're all on it. Also there, so um, yeah, there there are four albums, all in that sort of like <laughs> moment in music, especially in rock and roll history, where just so much stuff is getting created. Sixty-eight to seventy-two, um, where they were sort of hitting their stride and pumping out all these albums and. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Greatest in rock and roll. You did Rubber Soul, 
Revolver and Sgt. Peppers and take either of the albums on either side, <laughs> it's like, I don't know, that's a... It's, uh, it's not going to be an argument I'm going to be trying to oh, okay, fight, okay, but, okay. Uh, but some would say that. Uh, <laughs> you'd have to be a little bit more interested in the stuff so. than I find, am. But, find me these so-called um, some. <laughs> <laughs> Something we introduced uh, in this week's midweek episode was our new Spotify playlist with uh, each of us picking a track from... Uh, each album that we've reviewed. Do you have a favorite album, uh, a favorite track from this week's album, Mike? If you had to pick one, that's tough. I think, I think I'd pick "Gimme Shelter." I was going to say you sort of started the episode by saying that was the song that made you well, so excited to. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and the, I guess that. Well, there's other songs I like too, but yeah. Um, I'm gonna go "Gimme Shelter." I like that one. You great. What do you like? Um, I think I think I'll go with you can't always get what you want. Even though I Oh seem like two wasn't. pretty reasonable choices. Yeah. I wish it wasn't seven and a half minutes long, but I'll stick with that. True. Yeah, I hear you. Great. And and one thing that we talked about a few albums ago was how many references to Rolling Stone show up on this yeah. Rolling Stone list. So this is our fourth one. Um uh there was uh, the song Like a Rolling Stone on Bob Dylan's Highway 61, and then a Stones album, Exile Main Street, and then in Joni Mitchell's uh, Calif- the song California on Joni Mitchell's Blue Album, references the magazine Rolling Stone uh, directly, and then we have another Rolling Stone album. So this is in 32 albums. This is the, f- the fourth time Rolling Stone is referenced. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, the cultural Conspiracy. phenomenon that is the Rolling Stone. <laughs> yeah. A quick editor input. We forgot about the cat named Rolling Stone on Bob Dylan's Bringing It All Back Home. Yeah, so there we go. Another Stones album. Um, yeah. You know, as many people have kind of joked that most of this list is just kind of shuffling through the whole catalog of Beatles, uh, Dylan and the stones. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> they, t- they started with yeah. just all of those albums and just slotted them in there and then just kind of f- right. filled the rest in. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, it's not the top 30, but there are 30 of those albums oh on this gosh. list. Um, so lots of content yeah. there. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. Uh, you were, fairly open with your opinion of this album that it wasn't wasn't really your favorite you didn't you didn't hate it wasn't yeah. your favorite so in terms of the sound is this still relevant um i i don't know it's uh maybe not for me um i think this is an important album i can see uh why this is included here and i think I think there are times when there are, are glimmers of really excellent music here where, you know, if someone, uh, you know, would say to me, do you know of any Stones albums that are worth listening to? Uh, you know, in the two that we've tackled so far, I would definitely be more likely to say, check out Let It Bleed, especially that opening track. Isn't that awesome? Um, uh, is it relevant? I don't know. I, I continue to think about this 
idea that we have if you put it on in you know in a club setting or out in the world right now are people going to be like oh i love this um i don't know i don't think so i think uh, you can't always I, get I what you want i think is you could with that yeah but although true, true. i mean you could with that you know people people our generation yes our kids generation uh, your kids are pretty young but even my kids that are a little older uh, I think most of their peers uh, would probably not. So uh, it's, I think it's losing relevance. I think that song would be Perhaps. but the whole, I, I think that in many ways, the rock sound, if you're in a rock band and you're still playing rock and roll, uh, I think these sounds are still very relevant. Um, the guitar sounds for sure. And the way the guitars, the, the vocal performance. Yes. Uh, the, the one thing, uh, the bass sound, I think is a little outdated and I know the technology changed bass and drums were probably the hardest things to capture, uh, in earlier rock and, and the technology got, a, and the instruments got a lot better. We've talked about that before. So the bass sound, I think sounds a little dated and, uh, to me, the drums, I mean, you, the stones and Led Zeppelin are very different bands, but when you put the drums side by side, it's so vastly different. Uh, Charlie Watts is a great yeah. drummer and he is, at his root, and I've said this before, he's a jazz drummer. He plays a jazz kit. He mm-hmm. is he's got a, a much more gentle touch, um, as opposed to a go to the total opposite end, a John Bonham, John Bonham, who just beats the crap out of his drum kit every time. And uh is still very technical and very, very good. Um and Charlie Watts, I think, it just, yeah. just has a much lighter touch and and it doesn't really push through the music. So I find the the drums. I wouldn't say that they're lacking, but uh, I I think you hear a lot more things happening with drums you know, as you get through the '80s and '90s into the 2000s. So um, relevant in some ways, but not in others. Yeah, well said. <laughs> what about the uh, position on this list, um, number 32? How does that feel to you? Well, there's two things I want to say about that. Uh, First, no matter where you put this in the list, I don't understand how Exxon Main Street is, you know, in this case, uh, like 25 spots higher. That doesn't make any sense Amen. to me. Uh, Exile, no. to me, not only was it a double album that didn't need to be a double album, I couldn't even pick out 10 really, really good songs on that album. Um and most of it to me sounded the same. Um, I know we were pretty harsh on that album, but I just couldn't get into it. Yeah. This one I can get into very easy as, you know, I don't love yeah. all the nine songs. There's a couple that are kind of sleepers for me, but most of them are very good. Yeah. First of all, I don't understand that. Um, yeah. If you have to have a Rolling Stones album in the top 30, I don't mind if this one is higher than 32. If this is the only one in the top 30, mm-hmm then you can yep. put it because, you know, can't always get you one and give me shelter. And, and even, you know, midnight rambler monkey man, like it's a lot of great songs here and rolling stones. Yeah. Arguably one of the best rock bands ever. So I get it. I, I just don't get the, the exile thing. You know, if all the stones albums are going right. to be on this list. Okay. Why is that one right at the top? You know, right. if you're screaming, yeah. um, at your, device right now because of what we're saying please comment and let us know why why exile is so much better we've had some other people 
say to us, you know, oh, Exile is so important and it's and it's one of my favorite Stones albums. Well, we want to know why because we can't figure yeah. it out. Yeah, I mean, I think when we talked about that album, I remember thinking this probably would have been a really solid 10-track album. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I think I could have picked out my 10 favorite-ish songs yeah, from uh, there. And it may... I may have liked it at least as much as this one. Uh, I think it just felt like a lot of filler, and and that was where my struggle ended up. I can't um, think. I can't and, remember and, one song from that album other than "Tumbling Dice." Can you name another one? <laughs> I like. Can you that name song. another one? Uh, <laughs> no, I don't. You think can't I can. see. That's what I'm talking about. It's not memorable at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, I guess that's true. Um, Oh, man, I was trying to be defensive there for a moment. But you, <laughs> Sorry. You I didn't mean I to guess do I would that. also say, there, in, you know, going back on my word now a little bit, the, this album has far more musical diversity, which I think does make it a little easier to grab onto a song because it sounds a little bit different than the rest. Whereas it really did feel like we had, you know, was it 30 tracks of fairly similar yeah. music on Exile? And, and maybe that's where this one does rise slightly above it. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a head scratcher to me, and and yeah, absolutely. If you um, would like to be a defender of of Exile, send us a note. Um, actually, if you have uh, the Anchor app on your phone, you can leave us a voice message oh, and yeah. tell us exactly how wrong uh, we were. Um, and if if you want to come on and and come and just give a, us your take, we could even make that a midweek episode and a, a sort of um, amendment to the. Uh, Exile on Main Street episode. That'd be a fun so, new thing uh, uh, if our midweek episode yeah. was a like a comment from a fan or a number of fans. That that'd be cool. I would yeah. like that. Telling telling us how we were wrong. That's okay. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> so we'd like to talk about what other albums are on mm-hmm. the top five hundred, and, and this is one of the artists. When we talk about them, we have to talk about quite a lot of albums. So. Uh, right. There are 10 albums by the Rolling Stones. We've, We've already done Exile talked. at number 7, yeah. 32, Let It Bleed, 58, Beggar's Banquet, and 64, Sticky Fingers. So that's the four albums that you had talked right. about their run, you know, from 68 to 72 of four really, really solid albums. Uh, 109 is Aftermath, 116, Out of Our Heads, 180, Rolling Stones Now. 213 Tattoo You, 270 Some Girls, 357 Between the Buttons. Uh, which one of those is your favorite Stones album, Ben? <laughs> uh, funny you should say that. Um, because I listen to Spotify fairly frequently, and this week I was listening to Let It Bleed, it would occasionally bleed into some other nice. tracks. Uh, and the co- the cover <laughs> the cover for Some Girls popped up, and it is pretty wild. It's like a old-fashioned... Um, hair chart for different hairstyles, kind of in uh, in popular at the time. But their the faces of the women have been cut out, and I think the Stones' faces have been put in behind. So it's kind of this creepy, <laughs> um, I don't know, gender bending kind of cover that's made me interested in the rest of the album. Uh, it's going to take a little while to get to two seventy, but. Uh, that one stands out as one that I'm kind of interested in. And and knowing now that these top four are kind of seen as pinnacle of their career, 
makes me somewhat hopeful, I guess, for Beggar's Banquet and Sticky Fingers. I do like Charlie Watts with the afro. <laughs> yeah. This is now um, uh, following uh, Dylan a little bit in that the, the second album on the list we enjoy more than the first. So maybe there's some optimism to think right. that yeah. these albums are all are a little backwards too. Yeah. <laughs> who, said, who knows? We'll see. Well, that's it. We did it. We talked about another yep. Rolling Stones album. Rolling Stones, the band, not and Rolling think, Stones, uh, the magazine. Yeah, <laughs> let's not let's not perpetuate that confusion. No, not that the, I not the top five hundred albums by the band, the Rolling Stones. <laughs> <laughs> what do we got next time? Well, next time we move to number thirty-three on the list of Rolling Stone magazine's top five hundred albums. Uh, that's Ramones by the Ramones. Is that the second self-titled album? Oh, on the list? Uh, no. The Beatles and Led Zeppelin. The Velvet, the Velvet Underground uh, it gets very close. And then I guess uh, yeah. the album, which is called John Lennon Plastic Ono Band by John Lennon. <laughs> so there right. are two that right. like get really close, but the rest are... Uh, yeah, and I guess uh, Robert Johnson never got the chance to name his album, so <laughs> right, <laughs> he gets a pass. True, it's a pass. Well, I'm looking forward. Uh, Me too. Thanks again, my friend. Always a pleasure. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page on Instagram or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.